It is so wonderful to be reminded that we in Christ Jesus were sons, were daughters, were sons and daughters of the King, the God of the universe. Is that not good news? We have certainly reason to celebrate. Uh, we are designed for worship. God has created us to know him. God has created us to love him. God has created us to be in relationship with him. And what a joy it is to gather in his name and to celebrate the reality of who he is and what he's done with you. We're in the midst of a sermon series we just started last week by, called Worship by Design. Uh, we are using the Psalms uh, to give us, uh, to tune our voices, to sing uh, praises to our great God and to remind us who he is and what he's done for us. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to take them out, try to open them right up to the middle, uh, you'll find in there the Psalms, the, the songbook of the, the scriptures, uh, uh, the story of the Bible and the beautiful poetry and songs. We're going to be in Psalm 100 today, so you want to find yourself there. Also, let me give you a fair warning. We're actually going to be all over God's word today. It's a, a glorious what he has laid on our hearts and reminded us that we're called to worship. Well, I know one thing for sure, that calling your children has changed over my lifetime. The way that I was called, the way I contact my, my children is greatly different in many ways. When I was called, especially called home, uh, called back to the dinner table, called back to fellowship with my family, uh, this is what actually happened. I was literally called home. The door would open up, and I would hear, Yoo-hoo! That's what I heard, Yoo-hoo! I mean, I didn't have to know anything else. I knew that Yoo-hoo unlike any other Yoo-hoos around. That was my mom's Yoo-hoo. But what came after the Yoo-hoo was, Yoo-hoo, Jeffrey! And I knew whatever I was doing, it meant, hey, Fellowship with, with uh, my family has, has come. Dinner at the table, drop what you're doing, and run home. Well, for me to call my family, um, I'm sure they're very grateful for this. I don't open the door and yell out, yoo-hoo. I get my iPhone out. I go to group text because, you know, one's in North Carolina, one's on Lookout Mountain, Georgia, uh, one's at Rollins, one's here, and you group text them. I got my wonderful family group text and I can easily call them, ask them how they are doing. I got to tell you about my family. Man, are they a mess. You know, some of them are able to get in there and change the name of my group text. So no longer is it my wonderful family. I'm not going to tell you what they put because you'd throw us all out of church, you know. But that's how we call. Uh, to one another most frequently. I imagine you do too. Anybody ever remember the you who called? Anybody else got called home? Anybody of that era being called back? Uh, it's amazing how we communicate now. Well, God is a God. Listen, God is a God who calls out to us. God is a God who knows us by name. And, and he's gonna say, you come on, come to worship. Come, come into relationship with me. God is a God, the God who is, is so amazingly gracious and so loving. And, and this God is so crazy about you that he continually calls us into his presence. He calls us to come. He calls us to come and to know him and to love him. He calls us to worship him, that which he's created us to do. Well, this is really the story of the whole Bible. The story of the Bible is how God has not only created us for worship, but how God continually calls us to worship. It's an incredible story of love. I don't know if you had a chance to look through it or read it, 
uh, although there's 66 books in this uh, Bible, and although it's written uh, in primarily two different languages over thousands of years, it's one love story. It's one story of a God who is. It's one story of a God who loves. It's one story of a God who rescues. And he rescues uh, through the work of his son. And it's a story of a God who calls. As we look at this story, we begin, we realize that God created everything out of nothing. Talk about a powerful God. Talk about a God who speaks in all the stars and the suns and the universe and creation leaps into existence. What a mighty God. But of all his creation, he created you and me in a special and unique way. He has given us a voice that he's given no others, that we're in his image. We're reflect who he, see, who he is. When God sees you, he sees himself. It's incredible. And he's created you to worship him. That's the ultimate reason why you and I are created, to, to have fellowship with him, to ascribe him worth and to walk with him. But the story of the Bible will tell us that we were created that way. We we're created to, to walk and talk and live with God and to love him and be loved by him. But the story early on takes a tragic turn. It takes a tragic turn, and, and man, we, we rebelled against God. We sinned against God. We, we basically said to God, you know what? We're going to do things our own way. We're going to kind of pursue life apart from you. And that's what the Bible will call us, tell us about, that we call the fall, the fall into to, to sin. But you know what's scandalously good about our God? I mean, unbelievably good when you, when you get to the reality that God made us for himself, he made us for his worship, and we messed it all up. Guess what? God still calls. God still graciously calls out to us. God still welcomes us to come into his presence. Throughout scripture, we hear that, that call in different voices, often through prophets, and we, we hear that. But in the end times, it tells us, in the last days, the, vo- the voice to come to call us to worship was God's son. That God's son himself has come to call us to worship. And you know what? The beautiful thing about God, there's so many beautiful things. I mean, so gracious that he calls you to worship even today. But not only does he call you, he enables you to worship. He provides you everything you need to be able to come into his presence. Not only does he call you, not only does he enable you, he comforts you in worship, wants you to know that you are loved. And the Bible tells us there's a final you-who coming. There's a final call to a dinner. There's a final call to a table. There's a final call that, that we're going to be gathered as, as his bride, as his church, and he's going to be right there physically with us. And we're going to have a meal together. It's called the, the meal, the supper of the lamb, the lamb of God. And oh, I can't wait to hear that final yoo-hoo, not from my mom, but from my Savior to come. You guys remember what the world was like before caller ID. Anybody remember what the world was like before caller ID? I mean, I mean, again, for some of us, uh, we, we, again, I tell you kids, I mean, we lived in a world without cell phones. I mean, we had landline phones. We didn't have, at the time, cordless phones. I mean, and there was a time that, that when your phone rang, it didn't have a certain ring for your friends, a certain ring for your family, a certain ring for your beau, a certain ring for solicitors. When the phone rang in your house when I was growing up and your parents were growing up for the most part, we had no clue who was calling. It was a mystery. The phone was ringing. And you didn't know if you're going to hear the, the warm, wonderful voice of a friend that you've longed to hear, or you're going to hear the annoying questions coming from a, a, a phone solicitor. Is it not true? 
So it's like, okay, do I answer it? Do I not answer it? I mean, who's going to be on the other end? Nowadays, it's easy peasy, isn't it? You look at your phone saying, no, no, thank you. Voicemail that one. I don't ever do that to you as far as you know. Or, you know, hit a text reply. But back in the day, we had no one calling. It was, it was, who knows? I remember during those days, I got a call once from an annoying solicitor asking me to have, get myself even further into debt and to have a credit card. By the way, by God's grace, well, let me get to the story. So he called up and asked me for a visa and said, we would like to offer you an NFL visa of your favorite team. Who is your favorite team? Pray for me. It's the Buffalo Bills. Okay, we're going to send you a visa for the Buffalo Bills. I said, you're calling me to tell me I'm finally made the Buffalo Bills? No, sir. No, no, no. We're calling you to tell you we're going to try to offer you a credit card with the Buffalo Bills on it. I don't care if you play me with cash, check, or credit card. As long as I'm on the bills, that's fantastic. No, no, sir, this is a credit card. Can I play quarterback? I love that position. I would love to play. Sir, we're offering you a credit card. And for the first time in my life, I had a solicitor hang up on me. (laughs) It was great. You see, back in those caller ID reality, but we live in a world that you are constantly being called by something. Think about that. We live in a world that's constantly going to be calling you to something. And it's, you're susceptible to that. Why? Because God has created you to answer a call. God has created you specifically to worship. And so we're going to have all these competing calls in our lives. And, and I wish we had the, a caller ID. And God does give us his word to discern. He gives us a Holy Spirit to discern. But we, we sometimes get lost. What calls do we, do we answer? What calls in life right now are you answering? Because the ultimate call is a call of God to urgent, to, to worship, to call of God to come and surrender our lives to him. And we urgently need to answer that call. We urgently got to make sure that, that when God calls by his grace, we respond for his glory. Why? Because he's created us for himself. He's created us in his image to worship. And life truly begins when we answer the call. According to the Bible, life and life abundantly by God's grace is found when, when we hear God's call in our life and when we respond to that call through the work of his son and, and we can truly begin to live as we are connected to him. You see, we are to worship by design, each one of us. And in this sermon series, we're going to use the Psalms. We're going to use the Psalms to kind of help teach our hearts to sing. And what is worship? Well, it's basically just ascribing worth to our great creating, sustaining, and redeeming God. What we're going to do is this, is we're going to examine worship in the Psalms by looking at the elements of our worship service, our liturgy. If you want to look even now, we're trying to make that more clear in your order of service. Today clearly is the order of service, uh, uh, the call to worship in our order of service. But each sermon through this series of Psalms is going to have three parts. The first thing is this, what is that liturgy? What is that element of worship that we're examining. For example, the call to worship. What is that brief explanation? Well, for call to worship, it's God himself who who calls us into his presence. Where does it fit in the big story of the gospel? Where does the call to, to worship help us remember the whole story? Because it's incredible, as I described to you just a few moments ago, that this call is throughout the Bible, that God continually calls us to himself. And what does this particular psalm teach us about a call to worship? 
and how to apply that to his life, our lives. Okay, I got to tell you something. This is, uh, I'm so excited about what God has for us. And again, we're going to look at, you know, a call to worship. What is it? Uh, how does it fit in the big story? And how does the psalm apply it? And I, I got to ask you that this week we're going to spend a lot of time looking at the big story. We're going to land the plane in Psalm 100. We're going to land the plane and see how this psalm uh, describes this for us. But we're going to spend the majority of the time we have together looking at the big picture and being amazed at a God who calls us to worship him. So let's hear that call. Jack read it as we began, but let's read it again uh, out of Psalm 100. It's throughout scripture. Um, but this psalm again uh, calls us. Let us be mindful that this is God's word. This is what many call God's hymn book. This is the whole Bible and, and, and pictures and poetries. If you were uh, here last week, I told you the reformer John Calvin said that the Psalms are like the anatomy of the soul. It just gives us all of the emotion of man are right here. But also such a beautiful description of God and how he's come to, to love and to rescue us. But here's what I know for sure. This song, this psalm that we're about to read is God's word. And God wants to sing it into your ear in a way that it transforms your heart of his love and grace in our lives. So may God add his blessing as we read it. It's in the bulletin uh, in your hand or your Bible or the words behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 100. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And, and we are his. We are the, his people. The sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us pray. Oh, holy, matchless, infinite, eternal, immutable God, the grace that you display to call sinners like us into your presence. And Father, we praise you for your glorious character. We praise you for your glorious grace that you have bid us to come and to come just as we are. And you and you alone are the one who, who not only calls us, but enables us to come. We thank you for that. And God, we thank you that we could come not in fear, but we could come in joy. We could come in love because we belong here in your presence, as your people, because of the work of your Son. So God, come again and tune our hearts, tune our lives to sing your praises, to, to ascribe you the worth that you deserve as creating, sustaining, and redeeming King. God, give us ears to hear your voice, Jesus. Jesus, we ask that you would give us minds to understand your word, that you would give us hearts that would embrace your love and be transformed by the good news of the gospel. 
that God, you'd be so clearly with your people that you would give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your great name, Jesus. God, the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline if you want to follow along with me uh, of this sermon. And again, we're going to start off by saying, where does the God's call to worship fit in the gospel story? And how gracious it is of God to call you and to call me into worship. Again, God has created us for worship. And when he created us, according to the Bible, not only did he create us for worship, he created us and gave us a place to worship. He, he put us in a sanctuary. He, he put us in a place of, of perfection. He put us in a place called the Garden of Eden. And it was the ultimate place at the time to worship God, that, that man and woman could dwell with God, we could walk with God. And it wasn't like in the Garden of Eden, like there was a worship time at Sunday at 1045. Because God was there. And because sin wasn't. And because God had fellowship with, with man and women, all of life was worship. Everything they did from, the, from taking care of the ground and the animals, everything they did was, was worshiping their God. The way they loved one another. The way they loved God's creation. Everything was worship. And it was beautiful. You know, the aesthetics of a place, a place often has a very profound effect on your worship. Have you ever gone to a place and immediately felt reverent? Maybe it's an outdoor place like the beach or a mountain. Um, have you ever gone into a, a certain cathedral and immediately think like, wow, man, the reverence. Do you know how amazing our staff works to make this place aesthetically pleasing to worship? But I just think of the garden. I think of the beauty. How much beauty that must have been that led them to worship. But the sad thing about the story of the Bible and our story is that we rebelled and, and we lost that sanctuary with God. That sanctuary where there were no barriers was all of a sudden lost. And the fellowship with God was, was forever torn until Christ would mend it again. And that perfect harmony that exists was no longer there. When we sinned and rebelled, we lost that, that beauty. We lost that, signet, that, that sanctuary. And you know what we did? Although we were created for God, you know what we did? Instead of worshiping from God, we hid from him. Instead of running into his arms and saying, God who created us, God who loved us, we, we hid from him. We were afraid of him. We knew that God was holy because of this fall and sin and he was just. And, and now all of a sudden, fear triumphed over love. And God was no longer safe because of our sins. And so we hid ourselves from him. We realized we were naked. We realized that we needed a covering. We just couldn't boldly come into God's presence. Something had to cover our shame. Something had to cover us that allowed us to come in to God's presence. And in the midst of that fall, we have the most glorious, beautiful first call of worship. And the first call of worship that God called us is out of darkness, out of hiding, out of our shame, Maybe God is calling some of you even right now out of your darkness, out of your shame, out of your brokenness, because that's what the first call was about. The first call of, of worship was this. Where are you? 
I've created you for myself. I've created to know and love you. And, and now because of the fall, where are you? How come you're hiding? How come you're running? The beautiful thing about our God is he still calls. Listen, you've got to hear that. He still calls to each one of you who feel the shame, who feel the brokenness of this world, of your world, of your sin. He calls us out of our hiding, out of our fears, out of our shame, into his presence. And the reality is, is what do we have to bring to God? And when he calls and says, where are you? Well, what, what do you bring God to appease him? Well, what, do you, what do you put on to make sure you're, you're covered? Well, what do you have to offer? It's basically the Bible say, we have no merit. We have nothing to offer. We, we have nothing. And God knows it. And yet he still gloriously and graciously calls you. He says, come as you are. I know your junk. I know your story. I know your shame. I know your brokenness. I know those things that you habitually fall over. I know it. I know you have nothing to offer. I know that you have nothing to barter with. But come. Come to me just as you are. Come to me without without money. Come to me without price. Come to me and watch me provide. Isaiah 55, the prophet Isaiah, verses one through three, I'd really encourage you to make note of that. He, He says just that, come to living waters. Come to you, come, all you need to come with is your thirst, your need, your brokenness. God so graciously calls those who are weary, those who are broken, those who have nothing to give him. He says, come. That's the glorious call of God. But God not only graciously calls us to worship, ready for this? God himself clothes us to worship. Have you ever gone to an event you just felt like you didn't have the right attire? I mean, I'm sure you've been invited to something, and you know, you look in your closet, and you say, I got nothing to wear. You're like, seriously? <laughs> May God help me if I ever say I have nothing to wear. Katie argues I have more clothes than she does, and there's a running argument, don't come over and count. I don't know. But I've been invited to an event I have nothing to wear. Are you folks, any, any, any folks like the black tie events here? Pain in the rear for me. I don't have a black tie. Finding a tux and triple extra huge, you know? <laughs> Squeezing into those things. Don't have the right attire. I've even heard folks sometimes say, you know, I could make church. I had nothing to wear. Listen, if Ed Kent can give announcements in shorts, come as you are, right? <laughs> I love Ed. But here's something you need to know about God and you never should forget it. Here's something you need to know. What God requires of us, he provides for us. He's holy God. What God requires of us, he provides for us. And in the story of the Bible, it's incredible. When when God uh, has seen that man has sinned and when man has, has rebelled against him, how gracious, we looked at it, how gracious was it for God to still call? Where are you? Incredible. But he does more. Do you know that in Genesis 3, it will show us the grace of God in, in, in a picture form that, that kind of is a taste of what's to come? Because we see in Genesis 3 that God himself will provide a covering for us, that, that God himself will provide a sacrifice to cover our sin and shame, that something else is going to die in our place. I want to I read something to you. Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verse 21. The fall has happened. Man realizes that they're, they're naked and they realize they have the shame of guilt, that, that sin has come into the picture. God has talked to uh, Satan, promised a savior. 
God has talked to man and the woman, and then here's what God does. Listen to this, Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now that may not sound as radical as it really is, but you gotta understand that this is, this is a, this is incredible when our sins separated us from God and we knew that we were naked and we knew that, that we couldn't come into his presence anymore, you know what God did? He covered us. And you know how God covered us? He, he provided a sacrifice. Interesting, well, the, the Hebrew word here for garments is usually linen, but it makes it clear. The writer here makes it clear. This is an animal skin, that there was something that was killed so that they could have still life with God that God would offer a sacrifice, a substitute, that Adam and Eve's lives was, was not immediately taken, but instead God would offer a substitute, kill something, an animal, so that they could live and be clothed in their skin. Does anybody see the gospel? Does anybody see the foretaste of what, what Jesus is going to do? It's incredibly. You see, we realize that that God is the one who's going to not only clothe us, but he's going to clothe us himself. Scripture, as it unfolds, we realize that God himself is the one who's, who's going to clothe us. God himself is the one who's going to save us. God himself is the one who's going to rec rescue us. Let me turn to Isaiah again. Isaiah 59. Now remember, this is 700 years before Jesus. And Isaiah 59 uh, there's this judgment that's coming and, and God is looking for one who, who will save his people and redeem his people. And God realizes there's not one who's worthy. There's not one who will res rescue. There's not one who can unite us back to God. And he says in verse uh, 16 this, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. Picture a crown of thorns. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. The story of the Bible is that God himself, now he calls us, he clothes us for worship and he clothes us with worship with what he himself wears. That unbelievable, the promise in Isaiah that he himself will put on righteousness and a crown and come rescue, we see fulfilled in John 1, who says, the word, the eternal word of God, who is God Almighty, the very God of very gods. He put on your and my flesh. He wore our flesh so that we could wear the family garments of his salvation. That God wrapped himself in humanity so that we could be called in to his family. It's incredible what God requires, God himself provided, even in our salvation. On the cross of Christ, there's this incredible exchange that takes place. On the cross of Christ Jesus, God himself will say, I'm going to exchange my righteousness, my perfection, my life for your rags, your filth, your shame, your sin. I will become your sin. Listen, the good news. I will become your sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I will forever robe you in the robes of heaven and the righteousness of God. I will wear your shame. I will wear your filth 
so you could wear my beauty. That is the incredible good news of the gospel. What God requires, God provides. And what he requires of us to enter into his presence, he's provided fully for us in Christ Jesus. You know what this means? That means we can come into his presence knowing that we are loved. There's nothing that will separate us from the love of Christ. How many of you right now are hearing Satan whisper in your ear saying you don't belong? How many of you are just, God just, or, or, or coming back to your mind is the things that you have not done, the things that you're still struggling with. You know that we have an enemy and he hates you. You know what Satan does? He, he wants to tempt you and, and lead you to websites you shouldn't be on. He wants you to take things that you don't belong to you. He wants you to stand in places you shouldn't stand. He, he wants you to boast about things you shouldn't boast about. Do you know that Satan wants to continually lead you in the wrong direction? And when you do, you write for this, he can't wait to accuse you. He can't wait to say to you, you are so weak. You are so pathetic. I mean, you, you continually fall over and over again. Why? God doesn't love you. You're a mess. You don't belong here. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is, no, no, no. God calls sinners like us. And God clothes sinners like us. And nothing, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We're clothed. Isn't that incredible good news? Because Jesus himself rescued us. And now we hear the call of Jesus. We hear in Matthew chapter 11. Now Jesus will say, now come to me, all you who labor and are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the reality. Jesus is saying, whoever you are, whatever you've, wherever you've been, whatever's going on, what you long for, you're going to find in me. He doesn't say get better. He doesn't say try harder. He doesn't say clean yourself up and then come. Jesus says, just come as you are. Come and I'm gonna give you this incredible exchange and you will find rest and you will find peace and you will find joy. And because we are clothed in Christ's righteousness, we know the story will continue and one day we will hear, yoo-hoo, supper's ready. Come and eat with the Lamb of God. You see, it's not only God who created us for worship, it's God who's called us back to worship. It's not only God who created us and called us, it's God who's clothed us for worship. And he will continually, graciously call us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He will continually clothe our nakedness with his own righteousness. He covers our shame with his own blood. He pays the price for our sins with the blood of the lamb. The beautiful thing about our God is he calls you by name. That's the glorious big picture. And God, lastly, comforts us to worship. Everything that God requires of us, he provides for us. Through Jesus, he's taken away our sin and our shame. He's washed us and we're clean. And we belong here. No matter what the enemy says, we belong here. I want to read to you Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. I know I say that every week. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, we don't have to bring a sacrifice, we don't have to kill a goat, through the curtain, that veil that was torn top to bottom through the work, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. 
that is now through his flesh. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil consciences and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing. He's saying, come with comfort, come with confidence, come because your father has provided in Christ Jesus everything we need. Psalm 100 will tell us this. I mean, Psalm 100 is we are called to enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Do you have reason to praise and thank God? If you're a child of the king, if you've been forgiven, If Christ has changed clothes with you, put your sin on him and given you his righteousness. If he's taken your death and given you his life. If he's taken you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If he's made you, transformed you from uh, a child of wrath to a joint heir with Christ Jesus, you better enter his courts with thanksgiving. You better, I mean, the Psalms will give us a voice of lament. We'll look at that. There's times where life is hard, but the reality is he is for us and nothing will separate us from his love. Make a joyful noise to him. Enter his presence with singing. As we enter, we need to know a couple things. We need to know who he is. He is Lord. He's other. He is the one who created us. He is the one who has redeemed us. He owns us by creation, and he owns us by redemption. He spilled his blood for us. We know who we are. We are his. We are his sheep. Staff was talking about this this week, about incredible sheep are stupid. You know that, right? If you're called a sheep, usually they're calling you a real dumbbell. They wander aimlessly. They, they need a shepherd desperately. But you know, the interesting thing about a sheep is this. If you come upon a sheep that is, and not that we see these often, but if you come upon a sheep and he's ragged, he's torn, he's, he's dirty, he's, he, he's not doing well, no one yells at a sheep. Why? Because sheep are stupid. Sheep need a shepherd. You see, you see a sheep that's really in a mess, and you say, what kind of shepherd is that? We're a sheep. And we're wounded, and we bleed, and we can still be ugly. But what about our shepherd? He takes all that filth on his own, and he makes us beautiful. He sees us beautiful. He'll never let us go. The good shepherd Jesus, we are his sheep. We have a place in his pasture, and we need to know he is good. He is love. He is faithful. There's something inside of me that was just filled with joy when I heard a familiar voice of love say, Yuhu, Jeffrey. I was being called home. I was being called to a place I was loved and a place I belonged. But I've heard by God's grace a greater call. Yuhu, Jeffrey, come. Come to me. Come with all your burdens. Come, and I will give you life. Have you answered the ultimate call to worship in your life? What call are you answering? What call are you pursuing? The greatest call of all is the call of God to come and to worship our King. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you have designed us. We were designed to worship, worship by design from your loving hand. 
And God, even when we messed up that design, your grace still triumphed over our sin. And you continue to call sinners like us back into relationship with you. And God, we could never bridge the gap that was lost when we fell into sin. Only God himself could put on righteousness and a helmet of salvation in the name of Jesus as a warrior king and to come and to seek and to save the lost like me and my brothers and sisters that lay down his life so that we could find life and life abundantly in Christ Jesus. What a glorious story. And what comfort we have now to enter your, pray, into your presence, not in fear, but that we do belong in Christ Jesus. Oh God, may the gospel tune our hearts to sing. Not just now, but for our whole life, for your glory. Father, if there's someone here this morning who's yet to truly, sincerely respond to the call to worship, to embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior, may today be the day where they would lay their life down, that they would realize that he could become their sin so that they could become the righteousness of God, a sheep in his pasture for the glory of God. Would you do that today, we pray. God, we ask your blessing on our tithes and offerings. Use them to further Christ's kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.